are your favorite people to spend time with? Let me ask it this way. If you get to choose just two people to spend a whole day with them, who would it be? Now, listen, I'm not talking about celebrities or people that you would like to meet, like Tiger Woods or maybe Steph Curry. Maybe some of you would like to meet the Pope or Oprah Winfrey. How many of you guys would like to meet Oprah? A few of you guys. Um, or Beyonce or Taylor Swift. Or maybe some of you would like to spend a day with Jimmy Fallon. Now listen, I'm not talking about any of those kind of people. I'm talking about people that you know. You get to choose two people who are already in your circle of friends and family. Whom do you choose? Without asking you the names of the people that you choose, I already know something about them. You chose people who make you feel better about yourself. You didn't choose your worst critic. You didn't choose your most aggressive enemy. You didn't choose the biggest gossip that you know or the person that constantly gripes and complains. You didn't choose the person that, that only finds a negative in every situation. The reality is they are not fun, they're not encouraging, and they're not uplifting. You don't intentionally spend time with them. In fact, you'd go out of your way to avoid them. Right? You, you wait longer to return their emails or text messages. When you see them walking towards you, maybe in the, in the grocery store, you quickly duck down another aisle so you don't have to talk to them. Or maybe you act like you're on an important phone call. Oh, man, my phone. Oh, hey, it's good to see you. Hey, right in it. Why? It's basic human nature. You avoid people who make you feel bad and search for people who make you feel good. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I want my day ruined. Right? The reality is that some people are lifters. They make you feel better about yourself. The opposite people who don't make you feel better, I call downers. Right? When a downer walks into the room, the lights dim. In fact, when they walk outside, the sun hides behind a cloud. They turn every celebration into a pity party for themselves. You know how it goes. They, you, you were excited and you lost 100 pounds, yet they bump into you and they've got a bunion on their feet that they can't get to go away. Right When, when they sit at your table, time stands still. Even food doesn't taste as good. Chocolate cake now tastes like bold cabbage. When downers walk by, dogs growl, cats hiss, and babies cry. You'd rather go to the dentist on your birthday and have a root canal with no anesthesia than spend time with a downer. Do downers intentionally make people feel bad? Do they want to be avoided and ignored? This message today is going to help two categories of people. First, if you're a downer, I'm going to help you change. And everyone else around you is going to be really thankful. Second, over the course of the next few weeks, you may not be able to avoid people who bring you down or put you down. I'm going to give you some insight into their personalities that will help you deal with them with grace. 
Here are the typical reasons why someone is a negative, critical downer. First, they are insecure. Someone who is insecure struggles to say good things about others. The insecure downer is afraid that lifting others up will make them look worse. There's a lot of vulnerability in showing interest and concern for others. Insecure people tend to talk more about themselves because it's familiar territory. They don't have to stick their neck out by being interested in you. The selfish downer sees affirmation and appreciation as a limited commodity. There's only so much to go around. There are only so many pieces in the pie, and so I I can't be careful to give it all out. Because if you get praise, then I might not get praise. If you get appreciation, then there won't be enough left for me. The selfish downer may see the world, may see the good. He just doesn't want to share it with anyone else. The competitive downer, on the other hand, sees everything as a competition. If something good happens to you, then she's got something better. If something bad happens to you, then she's got something worse. Most of the time, they don't even hear what you say. They're too busy figuring out how to one-up you. You know any people like that in your lives? Come on, right? There's one of these in most families. The reality is you're going to see them here in the next couple of weeks. Don't let them make you mad. Instead, sit back and laugh at their hilarious attempts to one-up whoever has a victory or whoever has a problem. The other kind of downer is a pessimistic downer. The pessimistic downer has decided that their gift is to find what's wrong and what work and what won't work in every situation. They find the cloud in every silver lining. Sadly, the pessimistic downer may actually think that they are helping. Eventually, you just leave the pessimistic downer out of the group, and they no longer get invited. Downers don't change because most of the time they don't know how. They don't know the right way to affirm people. Perhaps they learned it at home from insecure, selfish, competitive, or pessimistic parents where love and affirmation weren't freely expressed. That's all they know. They don't know how to make others feel good because no one ever made them feel good. That's why you can't give up on downers. So many times, downers are down because they have been beat down. Listen, that's where their insecurity, their selfishness, their, their, comp- their competitiveness, and their pessimism began. When you're repeatedly beat down, focusing on yourself becomes a defense mechanism. The second reason that downers don't change is wrong thinking. They actually think they're doing the right thing. I've actually had people tell me, I'm just here to make sure that you stay humble. What an unbiblical and discouraging and pathetic attempt at turning insults and cutdowns into blessings. Listen, I want to tell them, trust me, finding someone to be insulting, angry, and accusing is not my problem. I've got more than enough of that without jerks like you. That's what I want to say. That's not what I say, but I definitely think it. 
right? They, they've turned their downer personality into a spiritual gift, which, by the way, isn't found anywhere else in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, humble your brother, or does it say, make sure your pastor doesn't get a big head. In fact, the Bible says just the opposite. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord. See that? It says, humble yourself, not someone else, and when you do, he will lift you up. You don't need an assigned humbler. There are more than enough people and situations to knock you down and to keep you humble. It's just wrong thinking. We aren't supposed to knock each other down. We're supposed to lift each other up. We're supposed to be lifters, not downers. Have you ever stood by and watched planes take off from the airport? It's incredible. They race toward the end of the runway where they are drawn upward and off the ground by a force called lift. And lift is what allows the plane to overcome its weight and to soar into the sky. Are you a lifter who helps people overcome and rise above their obstacles? Or are you a downer who drags people down? Today I want to teach you how to be a lifter. If you want to have a ton of friends and absolutely revolutionize your relationships, this message is going to be life-changing for you. And it just might be the way that you survive the next couple of weeks. To be a lifter first, you've got to learn to see people through God's eyes. When I see you through the eyes of the loving Heavenly Father, it changes the way that I treat you, the way that I speak to you, and the way that I respond. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. If God loves you that much, and I claim to be a follower of him, then I don't have a choice but to love you and to lift you up. You say, but Pastor Jason, what about people who don't do right? What about the irritating people? You know, the people that are hard to love. What about my mother-in-law? You know what? That was once us. And in spite of it all, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, if God could love you while you were still a dirty, rotten, no good scoundrel, then when I see you through his eyes, I can love you despite of your flaws. Downers, however, see people through a different grid. What can they do for me? What can I get out of this relationship? What's in it for me? Lifters approach it completely different. They say, I love you because God loves you. God has a plan for your life, and I want to be a part of that life. Several years ago, we were youth pastoring in East Texas, and we did our very best to show everyone that we came in touch with God's love. The church that we were on staff at had a lot of people who were really hard to love. There was a lot of people who had been hurt. There was a lot of people that came from broken homes. The reality was most of our students were very hard to love. They would act out, they would scream, and sometimes they would even cuss us out. Once, a girl tried to hit Tina while she was seven months pregnant. 
We had a full knockdown, drag out fight in the middle of the altar service. People were trying to get saved, and a fight broke out. There was one particular student that was incredibly frustrating for me. The reason she, she was so frustrating to me was because I could tell that God had a call on her life, but she continued to just do really dumb things. Her name was Lauren. One night after a particularly rough service, God got my attention. I realized that the very girl that I was frustrated and mad with, that God created and loved. He had a plan for her life. Up to that point, I didn't see her through God's eyes. I saw her through mine. And I made the decision to approach her differently from that day forward. A few weeks or a month later, we were on a mission trip over spring break to Dallas Metro. And I watched her serve and love on kids that were just like her. She poured out her heart to these kids. She served when no one else asked. She looked for things to do. She didn't complain or throw a fit when she was asked to do something. She did it with a smile on her face. The last night of the trip, we sat around. They had a big fire pit, and so we sat around the campfire with, with s'mores and, and talking about what God had been doing in their lives that week. And that night when, when, when we were done, Lauren came over to me, and she gave me a big hug and said, PJ, I wish you were my dad. She'd never known her dad. And to be truthful, her mom was a terrible, terrible person who allowed terrible, terrible things to happen to her. The young teenager that I wasn't sure that I liked became the one that I couldn't wait to see. But you see, Lauren didn't change. She was still the same. I changed how I saw her. You've got to see people through God's eyes. When you do, your vision is changed. When you see people through God's eyes, you can choose to see the good. There is good and bad in everyone and everything. Downers choose to see the bad while lifters choose to see the good. Instead of looking for what is wrong, they look for what is right. Instead of focusing on the mistakes, they focus on the successes. You've got to learn to see people and circumstances a different way. Can I be honest with you? It doesn't take long to find faults in people, does it? I understand it may take longer to find the good, but take the time. James 3.17 says, Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced, you can develop a healthy and robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. Did you hear that? The hard work 
of getting along with each other. Treating each other with dignity and honor. Listen, it is hard work to get along with people, especially if you don't like them. Right? I know that everybody in here is so far along in their journey that there's not people in your life that you don't like, right? It takes a lot of work to see the good in someone that you don't like. But it's worth it. Listen, seeing the good is the first part. The next part is the biggest key to change from being a downer to a lifter. And Paul taught it in Colossians 4, 6. He said, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not to put them down, not to cut them out. Don't just see the good, say the good. Once you see it, say it. And when you do, you lift them up. You're not a downer, you're, you're a lifter. Write them a thank you note. Send an affirming email or text. Tell someone that you love and appreciate them. Practice what, what I call secondhand praise. Tell their parents or their spouse or their boss about the good that you saw. Word will get back around to them and it'll encourage them. But pastor, what if they get the big head? Listen, leave that between them and God. You do the lifting, let God handle the humbling. If and when it's necessary. Now, I, I want to coach you a little bit on how to say the good. Because this isn't something that people learn, and it's definitely not something that I've ever seen taught. First off, don't qualify your compliments. Okay? Don't think that you've got to say a negative thing to make your, your, your positive sound better. Just say the positive. Now, I can tell by the way that some of you are looking at me that I need to give you an example or two, so I've got some. Hey, Pastor Jason, I haven't liked all your sermons, but that last one was really good. Listen, your negative just undid the positive. You're a downer, not a lifter. Or, I've heard a lot of other people say that you sh what you should have done, but I just want you to know that I think you did great. I think you made the right decision. Congratulations. Even though there's a compliment in there somewhere, you're a downer. Wow, the music was really great today, Chastity. It's usually so loud that I can hardly stand it. Listen, that's not a compliment. That's a passive-aggressive attempt to get your way. Or maybe, hey, honey, I sure like that dress better than the one you wore yesterday. That's not a compliment. Matter of fact, that's incredibly stupid. Don't do it. Or how about this one? Great report card, son. You should be able to do that every single time. I expect it from this point forward. Listen, on no level is that encouraging. You just took a lifting opportunity and you became a downer. Or how about this one? You look great. How much more are you trying to lose? That's called a backhanded compliment. And it doesn't encourage anyone. Don't qualify your compliments. Just say something nice. Right? When you qualify the, the compliment, people only hear the negative. You bring them down instead of lifting them up. There are already way too many downers in the world. 
believe it or not, you can actually keep your negative downer comments and opinions to yourself. You don't have to say them. You don't have to always voice your negative thoughts. Listen, it's not required. Here's a powerful way to lift others up. Speak over someone what you believe that they can become. The best lifters learn to do this. If you tell someone that they are smart enough enough times, they're going to begin to believe it and raise their performance. When I was in high school, I had people tell me my, my freshman and beginning of my sophomore year that I was not very smart and that I would never be able to go to college unless I played on a football scholarship and so I better worked hard on the football field so that I could do it so that I could go to college. And you know what? I had a sophomore English teacher. Her name was Sandra Cohen. She also went to our church that one day after class looked at me and said, Jason, you're incredibly smart. You can do it. You don't have to listen to what everybody else says about you. Listen to me. You're smart enough to go to college on your own. You're smart enough to academically be able to do it. And you know what? Did I believe her at first? No. But she believed it. And you know, it wasn't the first time she said it. She kept saying it over and over again. You know what? I ended up graduating one spot out of the top 10%. I was National Honor Society in, in high school. That's pretty incredible. You know what I then did? I, I went to college. And I graduated in four years with a 3.2 GPA. By the way, if you don't know, that's pretty, pretty good. Then I went on and earned my master's degree with like a 3.7. And you know what? I'm just about three, four semesters away from graduating with my doctorate. All because someone in my life decided to speak over what I could become, not just what I was. Listen, the most powerful words that you can say to someone are, I love you and I believe in you. I believe in your potential. I believe in how God is going to use you. I believe that you will make a difference. I am proud of you. Listen, instead of speaking what someone is, speak what they can be. Let them hear the words of faith and belief coming from the mouth of a lifter. They've got enough people in their lives telling them that they can't be and they can't do. Don't join those voices. Speak what you believe and what God desires them to become. Downers specialize in saying the downing things when they can do the most damage and hurt people the most. A couple of years ago, right here, I had someone accost me outside of my office as I was getting ready to come to the sanctuary for, for service. And they proceeded to tell me every reason that they hated their, this church and they hated me. They informed me that today after the service is going to be the last time I ever saw them step foot in this door. That particular downer chose that time to get it out there on a Sunday morning was a vicious attack that bothered me a lot. After that, I was sitting there wondering, how in the world am I going to get up and, and, and get this out of my spirit before I preach? That's what somebody said to me right before service. Now, can I just give you some advice? Don't do that to your pastor. Right? Don't be used by the enemy to distract him or her from the redemptive work of the cross. But just before coming into the sanctuary, someone else stopped me 
They were a lifter, and they only said 17 words to me that I remember to this day. They said, Pastor, we are so glad that you and your family are here. We love you guys as our pastors. That's it. Nothing else. It was an incredibly short encounter. I don't know why they chose to tell me that on that day at that time, but those two sentences lifted me. They were a lifter used by God at the exact time that I needed it. The right words at the right time are powerful. Saying the good means even more at the right time. What is the right time to say encouraging words? When you know that someone's tired. When you know that they're getting criticized. When you know that they've done something well. When you you know that something didn't go so well. When you see how hard they work. When they're about to attempt something big or take a big risk. When you notice something that no one else sees. And maybe even one of the most important things is is when you sense the direction of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing to think about, but God can actually guide you in your timing. Because your right words at the right time can change the course of someone's day and their life. About three years ago, I was facing a big life-changing decision for, for our family. We were, we were facing a, a big decision, and it was stressful, and it was an incredible amount of pressure. The week of, of the decision that, I, that we were making, I got a phone call from a friend who had a word from God for me. It confirmed what God had already been speaking to me. And so I went into that Sunday knowing exactly what I needed to do. It was the right word at the right time. To be a lifter, dare to express love. Hug someone. Send them a note. Tell someone that you love them. Listen, people need to hear it. Say, I love you. You matter to me. I thank God for you. I love you. Parents, your kids need to hear it from you every day. If if they don't hear it from you, they'll find someone who will say it to them, and it's usually someone with a motive. Tell them early and often, I love you. You might say, but Pastor Jason, you don't understand. That's just not my personality. Listen to me, change your personality. Why in the world would you allow a flaw in your personality to set your kids up for danger? I don't care what your personality is. Say I love you. Say it so often that they get sick of it. Well, what if they don't say it back? Say it even more often. Love your kids. Listen, I'll never, remember, I'll never forget Josiah was, was in pre-K. And we were still living in Livingston at the time. And every day at the beginning of the year, I, I walked him up to school. And right before he got into the school building, I gave him a hug and I said, buddy, I love you. I'm proud of you. Make good choices today. Can I tell you, by the way, it's still the same thing that I still tell him four years later. 
And I'll never forget the morning that I got ready to get out and walk him up there. And that little punk said, no, Dad, I'm good enough. You don't have to walk me up. I'll just be honest, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. And I said, okay, buddy. And I didn't just kick him out of my truck. Right? What I did, I said, okay, buddy, I don't have to walk you up. But, buddy, I want you to know that I love you. I'm proud of you. Go make good decisions today, good choices. You know what, all these years later, I say that to all of our kids. Rita Russell, talking about her grandkids, said, I I make it a point to tell Levi and Macy, I'm so excited to see you every time that they arrive. I want them to know my reaction to their presence is always excitement. I've wondered how it would change our church if every person knew that we were excited to see them every time that we saw them. The reality is we are hesitant to express our love and appreciation because it makes us vulnerable. If you know how much I love you, how much you matter to me, then you've got ammunition to hurt me. Dare to love anyways. We are hesitant to express love because we're afraid that it might be taken the wrong way. Listen, take the risk anyways. Say I love you. Your lifting words will never be forgotten. Lifting words and lifting moments live forever. Here's my question. What would a church be like where everyone was a lifter? Where everyone spoke encouraging words? Where it was the norm not to gripe but to praise? What kind of church would that be? Right? How many people would come to that kind of church? I wonder, could we be that church? How would it change your holidays if you determined to be an outrageous, relentless encourager, lifting everyone up? You say, Pastor Jason, that would be hard. I didn't say it would be easy, but it is right. I love this passage from 1 Peter chapter 3. In the message it says, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless you'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. Isn't that cool? It's our job as Christians to bless. When when we do, when we lift others up, we also get a blessing. God lifts us. I want to give you guys what I'm calling the December challenge. For the next 23 days, be a lifter. In the most difficult time of the year, see what kind of difference that you make. This year for Christmas, give the gift of encouragement and love and support and honor. And tell somebody that you love them because you do.
Now listen, when you lift others, it lifts you. When you lift others, it lifts you. I want to read to you two scriptures to end. One of those I've already read says, Be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job to bless. You'll be a blessing, and you'll also get a blessing. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So how do you refresh someone? You say good things to them. You speak life over them. You don't say dumb things to or over them when you're mad. Scripture tells us there is power of life and death in the tongue. And every time we open our mouth, we've got the opportunity to either kill and bring someone down or to lift them up. The choice is yours. Because if the choice was mine, every single person in here would be a lifter. Right? We'd all choose to do that. But here's the reality. I can't make that choice for you. Students, your parents can't make that choice for you. Husbands, wives, your spouses can't make that choice for you. It's a choice that only you and you alone can make. So today, I want to pray with you as our worship team comes. If you bow your heads with me. Maybe today you realize that you're a downer. That you pull people down more than you lift them up. Maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe, maybe that's just who you've been forever. But today you would say that I'm done being a downer. Today, I want to be a lifter. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I don't want to embarrass you, but today you say, you know what? I'm done being a downer. I'm ready to be a lifter. I see your hands right there. Anybody else? Today, maybe there, there's another portion of that. Maybe you've you, you've been good at encouraging people, but maybe you haven't been as good as you'd like to be. Maybe you want to become a better encourager. And today you'd say, Pastor, pray with me that, that, that I would choose to be a better encourager than I have been. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? 
Yeah, there's hands all over the place. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for men and women and students, God, that have recognized that they're not the most encouraging people. God, I pray today that you would help them make the choice to be lifters. God, that when given the opportunity to be negative and to pull somebody down, God, that they would choose to be an encourager. God, give them the strength to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.